From my dining table or my living room couch, and sometimes even my bedroom, this is Soon to Be Esquire, the podcast. I'm your host, Madison Tory. Hello, hello, everyone. It is your host, Madison Tory, and I am so excited with this episode because after this, we are going to be halfway done with the season already, which is crazy because I feel like we just started. I mean, we basically did. Um, but it's also the halfway point for my for the semester for me. Really, it's past the halfway point. But anyways, I hope y'all are doing great. I hope your day is going well. I hope um, this is going to be the start, the best start to your day this weekend on this Saturday. So I'm really excited to start my day with you all. And I hope you're doing the same with me. So this right here, this episode is a solo episode. And I am going to be sharing some of my experiences as a law student, specifically as a Black woman law student, and um, just some of the stories that occurred during my first year, along with the lessons that I learned through those situations. And of course, I'm going to give y'all an update with my life and school And then, of course, we have the Esquire for the episode. I'm so excited to get into that because we didn't do it on the last episode or the episode before that since we had guests on. But I am so incredibly excited to have one for this episode because we have some, it's just going to be the best. But anyways, let's go ahead and get into this episode and um I guess now I'll just start with talking about who would, I guess, some of my experiences. So um, I'm going to start basically at the very beginning of 1L year from the fall semester. And then I'm going to continue on into the summer after um, my 1L year because those experiences that I had during the summer are also important and it kind of explain some of the things that took place in the beginning of my 2L year and currently are taking place now. So the beginning of my 1L year during the fall semester, I, you know, obviously extremely excited to start law school, nervous as ever. Um, and I was, at first, I was worried about, there was just a very small part of me concerned with the fact that going myself going from an HBCU to now um, a university with so many other students with, you know, obviously different diverse backgrounds and populations, but also white students as well. My concern was with whenever sensitive topics were being brought up in the classroom, because no matter no matter what school you go to, you're going to have certain topics brought up in the classroom that deal with with race or gender, um, something along those lines. And so my concern was that um, when those conversations came up in the classroom, <laughs> how they would be facilitated and what some of the comments would be. So um, as I kind of shared with y'all in the first episode, um, both of my parents were military, we were in a small military town, and uh, basically my middle school, elementary school, my high school, 
predominantly white. So I was, I'm already kind of used to that environment. I mean, that's basically what the world is. And so I wasn't too concerned about myself being uncomfortable, but just about really when those topics and issues would come up in the classroom, what is it going to be like and how are they going to be facilitated? Um, Just because even though you might get comments out of left field, somebody even talking out the side of their neck, it can truly um, be a better situation if the professor is facilitating, controlling the conversation in a way that it's able to kind of have a focus of, all right, now this is about the legal studies. Let's talk about this. This is concerning X, Y, and Z. And I think that's very important. So um, like I was saying, fall semester, I was I had that in the back of my mind, but it wasn't something I was too worried about or I was anxious about or anything. And I would say it wasn't until middle of the semester where I had, where we basically had this first instance where we, we had a first, my first experience of like, okay, great. We're learning about this case. It's being brought up now with these African-American women as plaintiffs and they're suing for discrimination. And it was actually in my civil procedure class where this came up. And it also came up in my criminal law class, actually another instance, but Specifically, the first one that occurred, um, we were talking just about these African-American women. And it was just, at first it was fine. I'm like, okay, it's going fine. The student's just going through the case and describing what happened. And the professor continues to add to that conversation. And this professor just kind of states... Um, one of the facts in a way that I felt uncomfortable with. And um, he was talking about stereotypes of Africa, made a comment about stereotypes of African-American women. And I shouldn't say he made a comment about it, but he just said one of the stereotypes about African-American is blank. African-American women is X, Y, and Z, which was in correlation with the case. However, I don't think it was needed. Like, maybe the defendants in that case could have thought that. However, that was not in the opinion. And I don't, I didn't believe at the time, and I still don't. It wasn't necessary for the students to understand what the significance of that case was in correlation to the material that we were learning at the time. And so after class, I sent the professor an email. I was like, okay, hey, you know. I was uncomfortable with X, Y, and Z. And this is an older professor, um, has been teaching at the law school for a very long time. And I was just like, okay, maybe I'll let it go. But then I thought to myself, I'm like, you know what? No, if you're uncomfortable with something, just let it be known and it's okay. So I just emailed the professor like, hey, I was uncomfortable in this situation because of this. And um, I was just like, you know, I just wanted to let you know that I was uncomfortable with it. I, you know, there's no need in saying, I'm so sorry. I can't believe blah, blah, blah in front of the entire class or anything. It was more so of like, Hey, in the future, instead of saying this, you might want to say this instead or not say it at all. And so that's what I basically said in the email. And then the professor said back, Hey, um, sorry that it offended you. Um, 
my sincere apologies, which is completely fine. I, I, I mean, I understand. And so moving on with the class, the same professor, I'm kind of jumping time periods. I know I said I was going to follow through, but I follow through the correlation of one L year to two L year. But anyways, same thing happens um, to another student who is now a one L during her fall semester with the same professor in the same course. And she emails me along with the Bossel organization because, you know what? Yeah, I don't want to jump. I don't want to jump topics too much because I feel like you kind of need some context to this. So after that situation, um, another experience happened in class, in my criminal law class. We were, a bunch of people were going, going around and there was one comment made by a student who basically I'm just summarizing what they said. And they were like, well, if people just pick themselves up by the bootstraps. <laughs> and I, was, I didn't catch it at the time. And it wasn't until one of my friends said something after a few days after the class that I really caught it and understood it. Um, but he said, summarizing what he said, he was just like, well, I mean, if these people pick themselves up by the bootstraps, then um, the outcome might be differently, might be different for them. And ooh, comments like that, man, ooh, comments like that are very dangerous because I feel like a person, everyone honestly should understand and know the history behind what it takes for someone to even possibly think that statement or what it takes to even get the result that there is. So like th- this person made a comment about black people and how late, how um, a majority of the population didn't have a job and was unemployed or and lived um, below the poverty line. And I, I, I just not even I feel like I know that in order for you to understand the result of that, you need to understand and learn Even if you don't understand it, whatever, you need to educate yourself, educate yourself and know the facts as to how there are certain people or certain group, a very specific group of people who are in this situation and then the class kind of just went crazy and there were so, so many comments made. Um, once the student basically said, hey, listen, if they just pick themselves up by the bootstraps, then none of this, then no one would be complaining. No one would be following, filing lawsuits about X, Y, and Z. And of, of course, that <laughs> made some people extremely mad, understandably so, because that statement was just completely incorrect and there was no foundation for um the there was no foundation and no reasoning as to why someone should make a comment that way except for a lack of knowledge and education and um I say a lack of knowledge and education not that someone didn't go to school but the fact that they simply could just Google, go to Google. They could go to different resources, different organizations and learn about some of this information and choose not to. That is what I mean. Now, that was another situation. And 
so that those both both of those occurrences happened during my first semester, and um, I it didn't phase me too much because I was just like, this is the world, you know, this is the world that I'm going into, and this is the world that we live in. And so I was just like, okay, it is what it is. Some people are going to do that. And for me, my health and well-being, which I will also talk about towards the end of this, there's some things that I am willing to do and that I am not willing to do, which I, once again, will further explain. So second semester, everything's completely fine. Nothing really happens. And as I am just a member of BALSA at this point during 1L year, Elections come around. I run for vice president. I become vice president of the organization. And our first meeting we had, we were like, okay, we want to change some things and we want to make sure that this law school, the, the law school, not the not just the um, university campus, the general pop student body population as a whole feels has an inclusive environment because um, we at the law school, we're not entirely sure everything that happens on the main campus. We're not there. It's not on the same campus even. It's separated, the main campus and the law school campus. Um, So we wanted to make sure at the law school that we were having specific resources that law students, minorities, and people of color are able to use whenever they are sometimes in these situations and they feel uncomfortable or if they feel that this is just out of line and they need to go to somebody or talk to somebody about some of the situations that they go through. And so that was one of the things that was very important to us. And we worked on it all summer. It took so, so much work. And so once uh, I guess it was May and June when more of police brutality was shown through via social media. We at that point we were just like, oh my gosh, this is this is ridiculous with Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. We were like, okay, like we we have to do something. We have to say something. Not only us, but we need our the law school to say something as well. Like, no, you just can't be silent about this. It's not okay. And so at that point we decided, all right, um, some of the responses, not just from our law school, but from other law schools and talking with other BALSA organizations, the different chapters at other law schools, we were like, oh my gosh, what are, what are some of these people saying? And it, it wasn't, that it was a bad thing. But when, you know, sometimes releases get made, they're like, we're sorry that this is happening. And some, somehow they make a weird correlation to like, I remember when I was in law school and we we were going through X, like, okay, this has nothing to do with that situation. The fact that you're comparing someone's life being taken because of their race, because of their skin color was a threat to somebody. Um, Comparing that, and the fact that you face challenges uh, as a woman in law school, school is not necessarily the same thing. Like, you're still living and breathing. I know that's very hard for you. 
not disregarding what you went through. However, this is a complete situation and it's okay. You don't have to compare everything to one another. It's okay to say that something is rough (laughs) and you're not able to relate to that. It's completely fine. And so um, we decided at, for, for our organization, for our chapter to come up with possible solutions for our law school to have a truly inclusive environment because I feel like diversity and inclusion are words sometimes that can just get thrown around. You want a diverse population. However, when things happen, you want to make sure that people have avenues to voice their concerns and be represented in a way that equates to the population at your school or to, to whatever, um, whatever it is that you have. And so there wasn't really anything like that specifically for law students. They had the report page for like bias, um, things like that for the entire university. However, there was nothing specific for the law school and for the law students. And we actually didn't even, there was never even a dean for diversity and inclusion at the law school either. And so we thought, because typically universities, they have those deans themselves, but not for each um, different school. So medical school probably doesn't have one. The law school probably doesn't have one. Graduate programs, they probably don't have them either. Um, But we definitely knew that's something we wanted and it was needed. So we came up with these different, uh, we called them demands. And we drafted up a a letter with 10 different ones. And we got opinions from the current law students, what they wanted, current BALSA members, what they wanted, some recent graduates, some of the experiences that we went through. And we actually even set up a small document of different events that took place of where students were just like, I felt uncomfortable in this because this professor did, um, they did this or they said this to another student and that was then correlated to me and that was completely biased um, against a certain population. And so we actually came up with a record of all these instances that happened and gave people just like a platform so they could say what they needed to say or write it down, whatever it is. It could be completely anonymous, totally fine. But during the summer, it was busy because we were reaching out to so many people, collecting um, some of the things that happened, trying to make, make a record of it, but then also collaborating with one another on the board. With But there was four of us that kind of got together with all of this. And we had to make solutions to the problems that were going on. So number one, the first thing we asked for, we were like, we need an associate dean for diversity inclusion just for everything basically that is going to be in this letter. Everything that we are asking the the law school to give us. And so um, we explained our reasons why. We even provided suggestions as to who we thought would be a great fit. We also um, provided names as to 
who we talked to this about and who said, you know what, at this time, I'm comfortable if they offer me the role of associate dean, uh, of associate dean or assistant dean, anyways, of dean of diversity and inclusion, I would be willing to accept along with the classes that I teach now. And um, we're lucky enough to actually make that happen. And so for the first time ever at, at our law school, we were able to put somebody in that office as Dean of Diversity and Inclusion for someone to handle these situations saying, okay, there's a report of this professor doing this. It is completely not okay. We don't want this to just to go into some type of system and for then someone to contact the student weeks later saying, hey, we investigated the situation or we looked at your factual allegations and we don't think it's sufficient enough for X, Y, and Z or maybe it is sufficient enough. Here's the course of action that we're planning on taking. And so, oh goodness. And so along with the associate dean, we asked for a student liaison to work with the associate dean. And for the first few years of, I guess, this kind of working with the with the dean of diversity and inclusion we would just have a member or an e-board officer from balsa basically be the student liaison so we would have a certain student from balsa or halsa or the asian uh, the the asian pacific islander law student organization or LGBTQIA Law Student Association, we would have one of those members be this student liaison, that current 1Ls, 2Ls, and 3Ls, and part-time students that they would be able to go to directly to them if they were uncomfortable with going to the Dean of Diversity and Inclusion. They could go to the specific point person and say, this is what's going on. I filled out a report. I'm putting your name down as someone who I... I'm putting your name down on the report as well for someone who I want to receive updates on as well or for someone who I want to help me come to a conclusion into how this matter can be resolved. So that's another thing we asked for. Another very important thing we asked for was for during orientation for this anti-bias student training that they have put on every year. But we wanted that that training during orientation be t- to be led by a person of color, specifically a woman of color. And just because in the years past, it, it wasn't. And I mean, it's kind of, if you really think about it, it's kind of weird that a person who would be teaching about anti-bias is not a person of color. Uh, that's it's like strange, even if, even if they are a woman. Um, I think adding an extra layer of being a person of color as well as a woman, it's, it's, there's different experiences that you're going to go through and you're going to have a different perspective as well. So we wanted to make sure that we were able to offer gender diversity as well as racial diversity within the person who was going to give this anti-bias training to the incoming 1Ls. We all, we got that done, which was 
which was great. Um, so most of the things that we did ask for, I would say half of the things we asked for were, were, um, agreed to and we got those accomplished the other half they were just like well this is in place already we're not able to do this and that um the budget allocates for x y and z things along those lines so i would say for the major things that we we wanted as an organization we pushed and we worked so hard all summer y'all all summer to get those things done. So I'm going to say shout out to Michaela Graves, to Christian Brown and Rebecca Desta, because um, really the, the we really put in a, a lot of work over the summer to get some of these things accomplished. And I'm proud of what we did do. And I'm looking forward to once we vote in other members of the BALSA organization, um, I'm looking forward to seeing how they will manage different problems that may come up within our society and how they decide we'll talk about some of those issues at Loyola. I'm not going to get into all the specifics about um, everything that we did because it would be a long list and it would take this entire episode, but... (laughs) That is what, um, that's what it was like, I guess, my, my first year. I think I was also lucky though, y'all, I will say this. I was lucky to have attended Loyola. I think if I attended a different school, I would not be as lucky with some of the, with, with everything that I've been through and the opportunities that I have been afforded because, of the people that are in leadership roles at Loyola, like in the admissions office and in the dean's office, and even the faculty to the staff. There's so many different people, so many different races, sexual orientation, genders, as well as age. And so you're able to get all of these different perspectives and just have someone there who listens to you and who's able to connect with you and really hear you. Um, and understand what's important. Number one, it is getting an amazing legal education, but then also with things that go on in the world, you know, having, being able to correlate that to the law is something very important. Um, and they do that extremely well at Loyola. So I think I was lucky, number one, to have gone to Loyola. Number two, um, for me and what I learned from, from just those two experiences that I had during that fall semester of one all year was that going, even going into, going into law school, this is, this is how it was. I guess I was just like, I'm not, I'm not here for it and I don't want to, and I want to say it's completely fine. But if you are a minority, you do not have the responsibility. You do not have to correct everything (laughs) um, that is basically wrong. If someone says something to, um, that might offend you, I, I don't even know, I shouldn't even say offend you. If someone says something racist or says something sexist, ageist, 
you're you're not required to educate them. You can correct them. I'm saying can because you still are not required. <laughs> you can correct them and like, hey, you know, that's that's not okay to say. For me, that's as far as I go. That is as far as I go and that I'm allowing myself to allowing myself to go because I need to keep myself in a place where I am not just consuming myself in all of this seriousness and negativity of what all of that entails. That's not my job. I, I, I just can't do it. I cannot do it. And I think knowing your boundaries and knowing what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with is extremely important in those situations. And I would recommend to any aspiring law students is to go ahead and realize what your boundaries are when it comes to some of those issues um, before you get to law school, because it's going to happen. And so for me, I knew, I already set my boundary before I went into law school. It was like, okay, I, I'm willing to go and say is, all right, look, what you said was wrong. And you need to educate yourself. That's it. Because it is easy and it's not your job to educate them. It is so easy for a person to just Google some of this and educate themselves. Oh, y'all, it is ridiculously easy for someone to do this. And the fact that people are not willing to do it, I, I myself, once again, for my mental health, <laughs> for my happiness, I'm not willing to do it for them and I'm not going to do it. And it's completely okay. It doesn't mean you're a bad person at all. I want to make sure that's clear. Um, it's just about what you're willing and what you're not willing to give away and to give up. Because that's taking on a big task. And the next thing you know, if you do it for one or two people, next time the issue comes up in class, all heads turn to you and they want you to be the voice of the people. And that's, for me, that's not it. That's not it. If I feel like giving my two cents, I'm going to give my two cents. If I feel like something's wrong, I'm definitely going to say it's wrong. I'm not going to say check out these organizations or that or those organizations. If you come to me specifically asking for that, no problem. I'll tell you to look at these organizations. I'm not going to tell you what they say because you can do that on your own time. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go down and I'm going to go ahead and grab me a po' boy and enjoy the rest of my day. Okay, that is that that's just what I have to do. And so that's what I learned in those very uncomfortable situations, I just had to, okay, I'm like, you know what? What you said was wrong. You should educate yourself, period, point blank. Have a nice day. See you in class on Thursday. And that was it. Um, so I hope that helped y'all a bit about me just at least giving a little tidbit about basically my experiences. Um, in those situations, when it comes to in-class conversations, when you're reading the case, or when you're talking about something in the news. So 
Now I want to talk about just everything, I guess, you know, give y'all some updates, life updates and school updates. I'm going to try to do this quickly because we are already 31 minutes in and I don't want this episode to be too long. Um, So fingers crossed I can get through this. You know what? Maybe five minutes. I don't know. I can talk y'all. I really can. Anyways. So I, life update. Currently, I, you know what, life update and school update. I'm just going to combine the two. Anyways, first exciting news, I competed in my first alternative dispute resolution teams, um, mediation competition the other weekend. I was extremely excited, although nervous for it, because I am comfortable in my mock trial background and in those competition settings. Um, And this was something completely different because during practice, the coaches kept telling me, hey, this is not a cross-examination. This is a mediation. Maybe you can do something like that in a negotiation competition, but this is a mediation competition. And so um, just kind of relearning some things and um, different styles and skills. But anyways, had so much fun. I cannot wait until the next competition as well. And once again, very much so looking forward to that. I'm just glad that I was able to get the first one under my belt and have that experience and also see what other teams brought to the competition as well because all the teams were great. Next thing. I secured a summer job. Yes, yes. So excited for it. Turn up, turn up, turn up. And good news. It is in Dallas. Yes, great news. Also, I'll be able to see my boo in Dallas. Turn up. Um, Oh, right. I don't know if I shared this with you, but Josh is in Dallas now. Awesome. No longer in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, so Dallas, Texas, awesome stuff. But anyway, so I'll be there for the summer. I am so incredibly excited. I'm also looking forward to sharing more information with y'all once I can. Um, I'm going to do it in in another episode with a very special guest. Can't tell y'all that yet. It's a secret. (laughs) But, um... That is some amazing thing. Those are some of the amazing things going on in my life right now. Another amazing thing, another amazing thing in my life going on is that I have some bomb people in my life. Some amazing, I I got like a flood of beautiful new people that came into my life within the past two months. And that I think God just placed there because he knew that was something that I needed. And so with the church that I'm at and, um, it just, just being around the community that I'm, that I'm am and the, with the people that I'm with at the church, they're just, they're amazing people. And so seeing my relationship, not just with God, but also with the people in the church grow and, um, it's just a great thing. And I love my friends there. So, you know, can't can't do life without your friends, y'all. 
Another great thing is that I have been getting back into community service, which I'm so incredibly happy about. That is something that I have been missing since I was at Dillard, y'all. Oh my gosh, I, I legit have not done community service since 2019, which is ridiculous. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Legit, when I say 20, I mean May 2019. That is crazy. It's something that I have always enjoyed. And, you know, people are like, what do you like to do for fun? I like to read a book and watch a movie. I love all those things too. But I love to do community service, you know? it It's fun, okay? You're with your friends and you're helping out the community. You're seeing it grow. You're seeing it flourish. Like, what? Okay, come on. And you're doing it with your friends or with your family. Come on. Come on. <laughs> anyway, so that's another great thing. Um, I have been, y'all, my schedule has been crazy, but there has been a balance. There has been such a healthy balance. Like, Today I was at the law school from 10 to 5 because they closed at 5. But then I was able to go do a little fun thing with a friend really quick. And just having those things throughout the, the your day or throughout your week, for me, it's just so in- incredibly important. So seeing a friendly face or having someone FaceTime me, Snapchat me throughout the day, I need it. I love it. Let me take my mind off of this school stuff for a minute because homegirl is stressing me out. (laughs) But that is my update. Moving on to the Esquire of the podcast episode. I don't know if I should say Esquire of the week because, I mean, we don't do this weekly. Maybe we can via Instagram. Maybe that's something... I will look into, but for now, I'm just going to say it's the Esquire of the podcast. So the Esquire actually includes several law students who are the first black editor-in-chiefs at their law schools, y'all at their, their law schools for the, um, for their law review. Y'all, this is amazing. This is amazing. There were so many. I I remember I was on LinkedIn for about a good two weeks, a good two weeks consistently every day because I kept getting notifications about so-and-so posting and making announcements on LinkedIn. And I was like and post, like and post, like and post, like and post because they basically were, there were so many y'all. And I wish I could mention everybody, but this is how many, I'm only going to be able to mention a few now because like I said, I don't want this episode to run too long, but there are so many excellent, strong, poised, just amazing people who are being recognized for their talents. And I have the pleasure of knowing two of them. Anyways, so I'm going to go ahead and hop into this. Everyone, all of the people mentioned they are Esquires of the podcast. One of them is an Esquire him. I'm going to work on the name, y'all, I promise. So um, an amazing person, amazing, amazing person, um, is now the first Black editor-in-chief for the Tulane Law Review, and his name is Antonio Xavier Milton. This, like, y'all, first of all, Antonio is such a sweet person, incredibly sweet, and um, 
very intelligent as well. And I, I believe Antonio also did his undergrad at Tulane as well. But anyways, congratulations, Antonio. You're an amazing person. This is just, you're more than deserving. And I am incredibly happy for you. Another person to become the first Black editor-in-chief of their school's law review is Janine Holmes. She is the first Black editor-in-chief of Georgia State University's Law Review. Um, Another one is Brandi Burris. She is the first Black editor-in-chief at University of Minnesota's Law Review. Um, Another one is Tiffany Mickle. She is University of Virginia's first Black editor-in-chief for their law review. Y'all, like, legit, this is, this is amazing. Amazing. Another person is Hild Frempong at Syracuse, Syracuse University. Um, she is the first Black editor-in-chief at their law review. Like, this is just amazing. I mean, what? amazing and I'm sure there's more coming out because um one was just announced March 9th so I'm pretty sure there's more that's going to be happening throughout the semester anyways those are the first black editor-in-chiefs of their school's law review I wanted to go ahead and give another shout out to my friend Adrian Washington she started the entertainment and sports law review at University of Florida's law school. She was on, or I guess is, on um, University of Florida's Law Review, but she is an aspiring entertainment, sports, as well as intellectual intellectual property law uh, attorney. And she was like, you know what? You know what this school needs? This school needs a specific journal, a specific law review, for entertainment and sports law. And girl, you know what? You did that. I am incredibly happy and proud of everyone that is on this list. And y'all are just killing the game. So as I close out this episode, I guess I should answer the question of what would I do differently or how would I change my actions within the past two weeks of me being in law school how can this how can some type of change go towards my benefit oh goodness that's a good question oh goodness okay so I would have to say that um yes okay I would have to say knowing the boundaries that I set for myself may not please everyone and that's just going to have to be okay I that I might that people might not agree with me saying that my my limits I'm comfortable with just telling people that they're wrong or that you know what right now you're sounding a little racist in this situation um you need to get yourself educated by that being my limit, people may not be happy with it or may be comfortable with it or they may just be like, well, they're not going to look it up on their own and maybe they'll just not be interested in the topic anymore. 
I, I, to that, I'm going to have to say, you know what? I'm not putting the entire world's problems on my shoulders. Um, once again, I, I, as I spoke to earlier for the benefit of myself and my health and my happiness, happiness, um, just setting boundaries is what I do. And it's something that I have learned to be okay with and that I hope to any aspiring lawyers, law students, anyone who wants to be in the legal field or is going maybe through this situation right now is that it's okay to number one, not have all the answers. That's another reason why. Um, I set the boundaries. It's because I don't want to say something that's also incorrect. Um, because sometimes when you're in those situations, people expect you to be the voice of your people. And that's just completely ridiculous. Because we're all so different. Everybody is their own individual. And so I would just say, you know, setting your boundaries is okay. People are just going to have to be fine with that. They may ask you over and over again. And guess what? You can tell them no over and over again. And they will just just have to be fine with that. But like I said earlier, y'all, learn what your limits are, what your boundaries are, set them before you get into this, these situations so you can calmly and effectively just handle it, okay? But anyways, y'all, thank you for tuning into this episode of Seem to be Esquire. <laughs> I know it was a bit of a long episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate y'all so much. Look forward to y'all listening on, in on the next episode because I have a special guest then. And I'm really excited for y'all to hear from her. But anyways, y'all have a good one. Stay safe. Stay happy. Enjoy your weekend.